It's another episode of Movies You Should Love with Lauren and Scott. Hey there, movie lovers. Scott here with a quick little uh, mini-sode for you to tide you over until the next big episode. And uh, we've got a couple, actually, in store for you. Uh, There's a lot of things going on in Lauren's in my life right now, so Chinatown may have to wait. But in the meantime, we're still bringing you all sorts of fantastic and fun, long and little episodes. Right now, though, I want to talk to you about my favorite film of 2012. I want to record this right now before uh, Academy Award the, the Academy Awards take place because it has been nominated for stuff and it totally deserves to be nominated for stuff and it totally deserves to win all the stuff. Um, in a year that brought me The Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises and The Life of Pi and Lincoln, I really didn't think anything could top that. I really didn't think there was going to be anything that would make my year even better. But on Christmas Day, um, Kelly, London, and I went and saw Les Miserables, and it blew me away. It honestly, completely, totally, unabashedly blew me away. I was, I got choked up two or three times in the movie. I mean, the woman beside me was just like sobbing at the end of the film. And it was just, it's a, it's a spectacular film that I cannot recommend enough. And man, I don't even know where to begin. For those of you who don't know Les Mis, um, as it is affectionately called uh, by the Les Miserables, I like to call them, (laughs) Doctor Who has Whovians, Les Miserables has the Les Miserables. Um, um, the, it, it's the, this particular movie is an adaptation of the stage play, which is an adaptation of the book written by Victor Hugo uh, sometime before I was born. And it tells the story of uh, Jean Valjean, very specifically, is kind of our main character. And Jean Valjean is a, when we first meet him, he's not a very nice guy. Well, it, that's debatable. What we do know about him is that he is in prison and he's being released today. He's being released after being imprisoned for 19 years for um, stealing a loaf of bread. Um, and he he is released from prison and within like the first month of him being released from prison, he tries to steal a priest's silver. This priest takes him in and gives him food and wine and tries to give him a, a kind of like a place to stay on this very cold night. And that mm-hmm. night, Valjean actually uh, tries to steal the, the monastery's silver. And as he's escaping, the guards of the city find him and bring him back to the monastery. They're like, we found this man. He's stealing your silver. Uh, but he says, you gave it to him. And the priest says, well, yes, I did give it to him. And, Sir, you, you left with, without taking the most important thing. And he gives him even more silver. To, And the guards go, oh, well, we apologize. And in this moment... Valjean and the priest both recognize two things. Uh, Valjean recognizes that the priest basically just saved his life, because if the priest had reported him as a thief, he would have been sent back to jail, probably to die in jail. And the priest recognizes this, but also recognizes one other important thing, a very important thing for the priest, which is he wants Valjean to be born again. He wants Valjean to take this moment this moment of redemption, this moment of grace and mercy, and turn his life around and devote his life to God and to goodness for the rest of his life. He goes, please do this for me. And 
Valjean kind of swears in that moment. He says, you know what? On this night, Valjean is dead. There is no more Valjean. I am a new person. I am a new man. And he takes the silver and he does good with it. He goes and creates a new life for himself. He becomes the mayor of a small town and he has a factory that he runs. Um, but in doing this, he breaks his parole. And so you have the main antagonist of the film, Javert, um, who is now, he isn't necessarily looking for Valjean, but he's just looking for lawbreakers in general. He represents this very strict, unforgiving law that must not ever be broken. And so when he finally discovers um, Valjean, a big cat-and-mouse game begins anew, in which Javert constantly is trying to track him down, trying to punish him for the law that was broken. And Valjean constantly, basically pleading for clemency, constantly going, look at this new life I live, look at the people who are responsible to me, look at the people I'm responsible for, look at look at what is happening. Surely I'm a new man. And Javert goes, no, you are, you are, you are Valjean, you are prisoner 24601, you do not get a second chance. Criminals are criminals are criminals. I have not stopped listening to the soundtrack since I saw the movie. Like I saw the movie, came home that night, bought the soundtrack, and have listened to it constantly. My only gripe about the soundtrack is that the current soundtrack they've released for the movie doesn't include every single song in the movie. And so I actually then went out and bought the 25th anniversary. No, I bought the 10th anniversary album, which is a live recording. No, maybe it was the 25th anniversary. It's an anniversary. And it's a live performance of practically all the music. And I've created a special playlist called Ultimate Miserable. And it's a, I basically have put together the movie using these two sources. It is this gorgeous, gorgeous music. Um, and it just, this movie just completely took me off guard. I, I, it's about 10 years ago. I read the book. It's this big, thick, meaty book that took me several weeks to read. Um, I had checked it out from my local library and I had to keep going back and keep, I had to renew it two or three times so that I could finish it. Um, so I knew the story and there was a, there was back in, I think the nineties, Liam Neeson starred in a adaptation of the novel as well. Um, he and Uma Thurman and Jeffrey Rush were in a movie. I think Winona Ryder was in it as well. Um, and it was, a, it was, a, and it's a good adaptation, but this, my goodness, this, this, it's the same story, but with this incredible music behind it, um, is a truly, truly special movie. Um, I, I, I've only seen it once, and so this might sound strange to say, but I really feel like I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that this may actually have firmly planted a flag in my top 10 favorite films of all time. Um, I cannot sing its praises enough. Um, the, the director of this film also did this very, a impressive thing and you may already know this and I apologize if you do um, because I actually heard about this for the first time in the movie theater that they've been have different little behind-the-scenes specials in theaters and on the internet about the making of this movie but one of the what he did one of the problems I think a lot of musicals have for some people is that they feel a little stale a little forced a little unnatural for people to suddenly burst out into song and part of that is because usually what happens with the musical is that the actors will go into a studio and record all of their songs before they ever start filming. That way they have all the songs already on set and then they just play those songs and they lip sync to it. Um, they didn't want to do that for Les Mis. So what they did instead was have the actors sing on set 
and then they recorded the, the on set. And I'm sure there was some dubbing that took place, as there is always in all movies. But the important thing is to recognize that they reversed the order, which allows for actors to make acting decisions on set while in song and to sing the songs in a very emotional way. So this movie is coupled that with the way he films the movie, which is in a lot of really incredible close-ups. It really bridges the gap between live theater and film, which is what excites me so much, because living here in Chattanooga, we don't get a lot of live theater. It's not, not these big things. We don't get a lot of the big Broadway stuff. If we, you know, if we want to see something, we have to drive to Nashville or to Atlanta, both of which are basically a three-hour trip for us. Um, and so they this movie basically becomes this very, very emotionally charged musical, which is something we, we don't often get. The camera's right up in their face, and you can feel the emotion of the scene, as well as you can tell that the characters, the actors, are actually singing these songs. And it's just phenomenal. I, can't, I cannot stress that enough. It's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway, who's only in the movie for about 30 minutes, will just break your heart. Just break your heart. And it's... Oh, it's so good. It is so, so good. Kelly, London, and I, throughout the film at different times, all had tears in our eyes. It was just incredible. Because at the end of the day, this movie is this fantastic um, look at the relationship between oh, so many things. But ultimately, for me, it's, it's redemption versus you know, unforgiveness. It's it's redemption versus the law. And if you look at the law of any land, whether it's the law of the courts, of the of the state, of the government, or of, of the church, the laws of God, they are unbreakable. They are un they they are, there is no bending the law. That is why they are the law. They they are things that govern a society or govern a people for a very strict and on purpose purpose. But there are times where the law needs to be waived. There are times where the law needs to be forgiven. Those who trespass need to be forgiven from time to time. And this movie, I mean, because it is steeped within the priest and in so much allegory, it is a very religious type of redemption that takes place in the movie. But I don't think it has to be that. I know there are some people who aren't very religious, and so maybe some of this might not hit at home to in, hit home or hit their heart in the way it hit mine. Um, there's a lot to be said, though, in this movie for a more secular redemption that can take place too. That second chance you can get, you know, you've hit the, you've hit rock bottom. That's okay. There are things you can do. You know, the state or or communities offer um, services, whether it's like welfare or food stamps or you know foster care or whatever. There are things you can do to get your life back together, and you can make good. On your broken life, you can you can make something of it, and I think that is such a great message, and it's one that is so beautifully put together in this that you can do whatever you can make something of it, and and it's examined really in every way. It's examined very specifically and very personally in the life of Jean Valjean, um, but also in the second and third act of the film, we kind of get swept up in this this French Revolution. It's not the French Revolution. Um, this is a revolution that took place. It, it's not even a revolution. It's a small revolt. It's, it's The people wanted it to be, you know, the French Revolution part deux. Um, but it, it, it ends up being a very much smaller, just tiny little revolt that takes place in this one sector of this one area of France. 
Um, but they, even they themselves are this examination of a people versus the law. There is a time when the law is broken, and it's broken by the lawmakers. Because there is a time when the law is so strict, it does nothing but strangle people to death. And so you, and, and so you have like this 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 small one single lawbreaker who who is who is thrown in jail for almost twenty years because he stole a loaf of bread. But then you have this entire society which is being held down by the law. And so you have this big moment where they kind of revolt and they go, "We will not be slaves to the law anymore." And they they build this barricade and in song and in action and in the finale. They kind of invite you to live on their side of the barricade, to live on their side of the fight, and say, "Will you fight for these things? Will you fight, you know, for truth and for justice? And we believe in these things, and for goodness, and for forgiveness, and for second chances, and for all of these things." It is a gorgeous, gorgeous movie, and I haven't even broken the surface on on, on all of the amazing performances in this movie. That you know, they there's there's such there's such amazing detail in this down to I could talk about this forever but I've already talked about it for 13 minutes I think I've kind of said enough I I could gush about it all day and all night there's so many little details in this that I just went oh that's so cool and there's these little moments and that, that will just haunt you for the following month as they've haunted me I can't encourage this enough I, I highly encourage you go see it I hope uh, all the best to the actors and director and producers and everybody involved in this film. I hope they get the accolades they kind of deserve, and um, I can't wait to see it again. I'm really tempted to go see it on the big screen again. It's definitely a movie I'm going to add to my collection. Um, I'm a sucker for a musical, though. Uh, one warning I will give, something that will that made it took me a little a couple minutes to get used to this, and it's something I just like to warn people about. This is not your standard Disney musical where there's conversation and then people break out into song this is the kind of musical where every single word is sung there is no spoken dialogue in this movie there is only song and sometimes that bothers me with this movie it did not bother me at all loved it loved it loved it get a chance go see it be moved be amazed it's lame is you guys it's it's an opportunity for you to see something that has been a big cornerstone, has been a big part of Broadway and a big part of, of the musical scene, like in London. And it's a and it's, it's a chance for you to see this, even if you don't live in those places that get those big Broadway pieces. Um, please, you know, by all means, go see it. Um, it and after you see it, come back. Let me know what you think. I I, I want to talk about it. It's one of those movies that. Um, there's a lot to talk about. Each character kind of provides a glimpse into this conversation that I think is just phenomenal and amazing and uh, so much. Anyway, uh, lame as you guys, go see it. Uh, I can't recommend it enough. Favorite film of 2012, hands down. And uh, when after you've seen it, come back to movieshouldlove.com. Let me know what you think. Yell at me on Twitter. I'm at TSFOG. That's T-S-F-O-G-G. Um, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, and uh, let us know what you think. What are, what's your favorite movie of 2012, or what's your favorite musical? Do you, have, do you like musicals? Do musicals work? I don't know. <laughs> See you next time, guys.
You've been listening to the Movies You Should Love podcast. Join in the conversation at moviesyoushouldlove.com. 